0: I like Warren Buffett because he drinks Coke and eats McDonald's. I also like him because he gives simple, practical advice on life. And someone told a story about a time they received some advice from Warren Buffett once, and they went to him and asked, how can I be as successful as you are? And Warren Buffett told him to make a list of 20 things he would like to pursue so that he can be successful. The guy went off and made a list, It was easy. He had a ton of ideas. And he brought it back to Buffett, and Buffett said, Great! Now get that list down to five. The guy said that would be difficult, but he went off and came back with a list of five potential things he'd like to work on. To his surprise, Buffett told him, Good work! Now get it down to one, and you'll be successful. Buffett wanted the person to focus on one thing, because if he was too spread out, he wouldn't be able to invest his entire self into making that one business successful. Focusing on one thing should be simple, right? It should, but often it's not the case. Often we're pulled in so many directions that we feel overwhelmed and anxious because so much data is coming into our minds that we really don't know what to do with it. If your inner world is chaotic, if your emotions run wild in your mind, if good things are happening around you but you're not able to enjoy them, it's probably because your focus is on a million different things and not just one thing. In Psalm 27.4, the writer says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So the king of Israel had this song written to describe what is of utmost importance to him, And he says it is the one thing, it's the one thing that he asks of the Lord. And that one thing is this, that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord in his temple. His focus was on one thing, and that was his relationship with God. That was the most important thing to him. And he realized that this was the best way to approach life, by focusing on one thing to guide and direct him always. Now think of it. If we take this literally, then we might imagine that the author of this psalm just wants to sit in a church all day to be in the presence of God. And does that really sound like fun? Does that sound fulfilling? For some of us, life may be so hectic that it would be nice to just sit in a church all day, but that's not a reasonable request to ask of the average person. Many of us are so busy that it sounds like a luxury to be able to spend your time focusing on God let alone making God the one thing that we focus our lives on. That is likely one of the things that keeps us from experiencing all that God has to offer us. It's that we can't imagine how focusing on one, on one thing, on God, would actually help our lives. But Jesus builds off the psalm as he teaches his disciples that all they need to do is focus completely on God. T- today's passage tells us what Jesus taught. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, ne- they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your Heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus tells the disciples that they're not living simple lives. He tells them that they're worried about this thing and that thing. But Jesus offers them another way and that is what Christianity is. It is a way of living. As we've looked over, uh, as we've looked at the past month, these disciplines are the guide to living out that way. When we include these practices in our lives, then we are living the way of Jesus. Then we're truly Christians. And Jesus says to give up worrying about everything and instead as Christians we're to focus on one thing before we consider anything else. Jesus tells them, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." This is the basis for the simplicity for the discipline of simplicity. Like the psalmist, Jesus is saying that there is just one thing that should be a priority in the lives of a Christian, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God. We live in the kingdom of this world, and this kingdom has rules, it has priorities, and it has its own concerns. But Jesus doesn't say, before you do anything, seek out the world's wisdom, seek out wealth and success, seek out good grades and good jobs before you come to me. No, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. So let's start there. Where is the kingdom of God? You have to know where something is before you set course for it. Where is the kingdom? In Luke chapter 17, Jesus says this, starting in verse 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The Greek translation for in your midst is entos, which is translated in your Bibles. There's even a footnote, likely in all your Bibles, that says this uh, inside or within you. So Jesus tells the Pharisees and the Sadducees that the kingdom of God is not something outside of us, it's not a place, it's it's actually something already in you. It's innate. Jesus wanted his disciples to focus on the kingdom that already existed within them. You see, that is what these disciplines do. They speak to your inner world. What is going on under the hood? They focus on the most neglected part of our inner worlds, which is taking care of ourselves. Jesus knew that if everyone focused on having a healthy relationship with God, then the world might actually start looking a little less like a kingdom of chaos— and more like the kingdom of God. Christians should never be worried about how other people are living their lives. Instead, Christians should be a people who are focused on how they are living life, and not just living life on the outside, but how they live life on the inside. So this discipline of simplicity is a call to live simply. It's a call to focus on one thing, and from that one thing, you build your life around it. So what does that look like? A few weeks ago, I was meditating and praying, and I uh, and I just waited on God to come and speak to me. When I meditate and pray, I often have a journal in case I hear something that comes to my mind. I'll jot down what I feel God's speaking to me in that time, and so I heard this. Focus on healthy habits. And I thought about some habits that would enhance my life. That was reading for an hour a day meditating and praying for 15 minutes, doing push-ups and sit-ups, going for a 30-minute walk, eating only two meals a day, and working on my uh, teachings. I then took those seven habits and put them into my calendar to remind me to do these things on a daily basis. I then did them for a couple days successfully, but it got too hard, (laughs) and so I skipped a day of doing some of these things that I wrote down. But when I meditated and prayed again, I heard a voice within me say, Do those things I told you, and things will be well for you. So I started them back up, and again, I've been doing that for a few weeks now, and I'll tell you, what I heard in prayer is true. I put it to the test. If I do the things God wants me to do, then I have little to worry about because I'm busy doing things that help me grow spiritually, physically, and mentally. That's what happens when one starts living by these disciplines. When we actually do the things that Jesus did, Then our whole inner worlds change. Because it often is the case that we are living lives that are being governed by other people's directives. We have to pay our bills, we have to take care of the kids, we have to please others, and it feels like we're trapped in a world of other people's demands. But what Jesus offers us is a simple fix. Jesus teaches us to simply seek God first and his righteousness. So even though I'm a pastor, a dad, and a husband, I'm actually living my life as a Christian myself. I myself am a disciple of Jesus, just like the people I teach. I live my everyday life not just as a passenger. I live as someone who's learning to trust God, and we learn to trust by practice. And if you don't know how to practice trusting God, that's what I've been teaching us, that these disciplines are the tools that help us come to put our trust in God. So if you're ever wondering where to begin with, with God, with all this religious stuff, I want to suggest that you start with meditation. Then you could start with prayer. Then maybe you can try a fast for a day. And today, why don't you try to stop worrying about all that's going on in your life? and begin to live simply by trusting God completely to guide, protect, and be a companion with you on this journey of life. I'm not a legalist. I don't think that God is forcing us to live simply. I don't think God is wants to force us to do these disciplines. But Jesus does want to invite us to think about how much we worry. And he offers us a uh, hopeful alternative. Jesus asks us to trade in all of our worry, all of our materialism, all of our laziness and procrastination, all of our envy, all of our fears. And in exchange, he wants to invite us to live simply focused on one thing only, seeking God first and his righteousness. There's so much more to discuss in this chapter that I'm covering from The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, but my goal in doing a series on, the, on these disciplines is to just whet your appetite. I know a lot of you have gotten the book and are really enjoying it, so for those of you who have the book, you can read chapter 6 to learn more about this discipline of simplicity. If you don't have the book, I want to recommend that you get it and check it out. So if you're tired of living with the weight of worry on your back, if you're overwhelmed by the chaos of the world around you, then Jesus really has a solution for you. Just seek God and his righteousness first and foremost. And in your prayers and meditations this week, why don't you try asking God to show you how to live? Why don't you ask God to teach you how to trust in him? And then just wait. Wait on the Lord to deliver. And when he does, you'll start to trust that God really is listening. And once you trust God, you'll be in that very place that David and Jesus found themselves, uh, looking only to seek God in his temple. Because if he could see God, then he really wouldn't have to worry, because God was there with them.